Any of you that have had me as a pastor for any length of time know that um, I will often start my sermons by telling some kind of a story that I hope will um, draw you into wanting to experience the truth of God that um, I believe that I'm called to um, share with you each week. And I just like telling stories, right? But today I am not going to start with a story Instead, I'm going to start with a simple statement, but it's, but it's packed with power and meaning. And the statement is this. The message that I have to share with you today is one that truly has the power to transform your worldview. And it has the power and, and the um, intention to change the way you make decisions in your life completely if you do it right. And if I do this right, if I preach this sermon appropriately, correctly, and in an inspiring way, before we are through today, you will be drawn to make a decision that will affect and infect everything that you are. So what is this life-changing message all about? Well, you heard just a moment ago, it's about the Bible. Now you're probably thinking, Craig, you oversold that a little bit. The Bible is, is a big deal, yeah, but it's just the Bible. We, we hear from the Bible um, every Sunday for sure, and, and oftentimes we hear from the Bible every day because we're reading it. Well, listen to me. I did not oversell the power and the importance of what is going to be spoken about today. In fact, I would go so far as to suggest to you that people like me, pastors, have undersold the power and the value of the Bible, and that that fact has... Um, created the kind of the biggest problem that we have in the Christian church today. Because many Christians, and I'm not talking about the world, I'm talking about Christians, people who profess to be followers of Christ. Many Christians have fallen into the trap of believing that the Bible is really just another book. It's just like every other book. It's meant to be read and enjoyed and um, but that we can listen to it or not, or we can uh, embrace parts of it and maybe uh, disregard other parts of it. And it's that attitude that we as the church carry to our um, experience of the Bible that has caused much of the problems that the church today is experiencing. Today, um, as part of the sermon series, um, the one, two, threes of PBC, which as you know is the a sermon series designed to help us explore the core beliefs of Prairie Bible Church, we're going to delve deeply into what we believe about the Bible. And as I alluded to before, the decisions that you all will make as a result of what you hear today will indeed impact the way you view the world. And it should impact every decision that you make from this day forward. So if you're ready... Let's dig in. First thing I want you to hear today is that contrary to popular belief, the Bible just didn't fall out of the sky one day, complete with, with chapter and verse and footnotes. Did you know that? Have you ever stopped to consider where the Bible came from? Well, in all actuality, God w- was bringing the Bible, His Word, into existence for thousands of years, and He started bringing it to us as godly people through something called oral tradition to begin with. Now, what is oral tradition? In other words, 
God's Word first came to humanity through the telling of stories, the story of God. And then at one point in history, God inspired people, just like you and me, to write His Word down. And that's when we began to have available to us the Bible as we know it today, when people started writing it down. Now, I'm going to stop right there for just a second, because that truth should um, cause you to stop and consider something. If it was just a human being or a group of human beings like you and me who wrote down the Bible, how can we believe that it is authoritative? Because human beings, I mean, we all know human beings and all of us are flawed. All of us make mistakes all the time. So how is it possible that as human beings, we can put the kind of authority and power or give the kind of authority and power to a book that was just written by a bunch of human beings, just like flawed human beings, sinful human beings, just like you and me. Should we be doing that? If you haven't asked yourself that question, you need to today. Should we as human beings put our faith in a book that was written by a bunch of human beings just like us? You shouldn't. Unless, by faith, you believe that this Bible that you have in your hands, that, you, that we read and that we give power and authority to, is by faith that we believe that there's nothing in that book but the stuff that God wanted in that book. In other words, the reason why we have the Bible that we have today is because God wanted the stuff that is in there, in there. And it all has a purpose. And if God didn't want something in there, it wouldn't be in there. Because God is all-powerful, right? And He's all-knowing. The Bible that you have today, you have because God wanted you to have it. Every bit of it. And you have to choose by faith whether or not you will believe that. Because it can't be proven. I mean, there's certain things in there that you can prove as fact, but proving whether or not it is the word, the actual Word of God, there's no way to prove it. You have to decide. Do I believe this is the Word of God? Or isn't it? And it's not one of those things that you can decide, well, I believe this part is and that part isn't. Because when you start, you know, parsing things like that, how do you make a decision which parts are and which parts aren't? Right? So it's by faith that you decide. First Timothy, you heard Hannah read this just a moment ago. First Timothy chapter 3 verses 16 and 17 says what? It says all scripture, not part of the scripture. It says all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for the teaching of doctrine, correction, reproof, and instruction in righteousness. Which is a bunch of religious words that means that all scripture is meant to be consumed by you. To be eaten, right? To get literal about it. It is meant to be consumed by you that you might become the Christian, the person that God created you to be. All Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for the teaching of doctrine, correction, reproof, and instruction in righteousness that all godly people might be equipped to do good works, to be the people that they were called to be. Okay? Now, That's good stuff. Makes the point. 
Now, you have to choose whether or not you believe it, but it makes the point very clearly. For that stuff in 1 Timothy chapter 3 to actually happen in us, for us to consume the Scriptures, it takes more than just faith. It starts with faith, but it takes more than just faith. And this is the part that um, a lot of people um, don't know or they don't do. You start um, approaching the Scripture with faith, but you must use your noggins. God created you with a brain, and you should use your brains. There's a lot of people out there who say, no, 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 you can't do that, because the moment you start using your brains, that's when you're going to doubt. Wrong, I'm telling you. If you will approach the Bible using your brain, but start it with faith first, and then using your brain, you'll discover that everything in there is truth. And you'll discover that all those things that, that you think are contrary to science and blah, 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 and all this stuff, There's not a thing in there that that contradicts proven scientific fact. Are there things in there that contradict um, scientific theory? Sure. But you can't prove them any more than you can prove the Bible's the Word of God. So you get to choose what you're going to put your faith in, right? Okay. So God expects you to approach the Bible using your brains. You should be doing that Using your brains by every time you read the Bible, you should be going, well, I wonder why. Why is that in there? What is the purpose of that being, that thing that I just read being in this book? Because everything in the Bible, remember, everything that's in there, God put there for a purpose. Okay? So every time you read the Bible, you need to ask, why? Why is that there? What is the purpose? And when you're asking these why questions, there are three things that you need to consider when answering those why questions. First thing is this. It's called context. Have you ever known anybody that would read to take a verse from the Bible and just lift it out and say, yeah, I, I like that verse. I'm going to live by that verse. Now, that's okay, but there's a problem because the moment you lift a verse or a passage out of the context of the whole of the Bible, you can create things in your own mind that were never intended by that one verse. So you must always consider context, meaning what came before and what's coming after. Actually, when you read the Bible, you should read it in context of the whole because, again, everything is in there that's in your Bible is there for a purpose. And it's only when you see it as a whole that you can get the fullness of the truth. So you need to understand, first thing, context. The second thing you need to to bring to your reading of the Bible is something called history. When you read the Bible, you need to ask the question, okay, well, what was going on at this point in history? Or what was going on in this particular situation at this point in history? Because there are some things in the Bible that um, are there that you were supposed to read, but it was meant for that particular moment. And other things that were meant more generally. They both have purpose, but you have to consider what that purpose is according to history. Okay, so we got context and we got history, right? Third thing is language. Y'all know that the Bible wasn't originally written in English, right? The Bible was originally written in two primary languages. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. The New Testament was written in Greek. 
Now, this is what you need to know about language. Every language is unique unto itself, right? And um, each language and each word within the language carries with it nuance, right? So, now in English, most of us kind of catch the nuance most of the time. Most of the time we do. <laughs> Not always. But most of the time we catch the, the nuance of our English language. But when you're translating from another language that you're not familiar with into um, the language that you are familiar with, we oftentimes lose the nuance. So you need to consider those things. You want to know why there's so many different translations, English translations of the Bible? It's because the authors, those people who are doing the translating, are trying to catch nuance. You see, what that, you see why that is the way it is? Now let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Uh, how many of you have spent um, any time in the last year studying that exciting book called Leviticus? How many? Any raise your hand? There you go. Here's a few of you. Now, those of you that have studied Leviticus, did you read that book and go, now I get it? I'm telling you right now, for those of you who have not had the courage to read the book of Leviticus, these folks right here in the front that did, most of the time they walked away from it going, what in the world did I just read? Because there's so much in there that requires you to understand context and history and linguistics that if you don't consider all that stuff, you're just going to go, I don't get it. Give you an example. In Leviticus chapter 11... You will find a passage of scripture that says um, that godly people should not eat pork. Now, most people in Iowa that I know of eat pork today. So, are you guys sinning by eating pork? According to that, if you read the scripture in one way, you think, well, I'm, I'm being sinful because I'm reading pork and godly people aren't supposed to eat pork. Unless there's something historically or contextually or linguistically that I'm not considering or I don't know yet. So let's try it. It says in this passage that godly people shouldn't eat pork. In order to understand the purpose or the why of that, you need to go back in history. You need to go back to the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. All right? In the book of Genesis, it says one day there was this guy named Abraham. Many of you know who Abraham is. Abraham became the father of all faiths, right? He became the father of Israel. And it was through Abraham and through the nation of Israel that God would bring salvation, whose name is Jesus, right? Okay, one day, God comes to Abraham and he says, Abraham, Abraham is an old man, older than me. He comes to Abraham and he says, Abraham, um, I am going to make from your descendants... I'm going to bring from your descendants salvation for all the world. And he's going, wait, wait a second. I'm like 90 years old, and I don't even have a kid yet. And I'm going to have descendants. And he says, yeah, not only are you going to have descendants, but your descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars in the sky. They're going to be as numerous as the grains of sand on the beach. I'm going to make from you a great nation that is all these people. Okay. Put a pin in that. Now jump forward to Leviticus chapter 11. It says, godly people don't eat pork. Those two things don't go together, do they? 
unless you realize that one of the ways that God is going to fulfill this promise to make Abraham's descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky was to give them what, something that was called the cleanliness code. What in the world is that? Well, what God did was He gave His people some what we call cleanliness laws or cleanliness codes that they were supposed to apply to their lives. And they didn't know that the purpose of these cleanliness codes was to make them more healthy. They didn't know, for example, that if you didn't prepare pork correctly, you would get trichinosis, right? Which is a a disease that would make you very sick, kind of like bug larvae that I don't want to get into. It could kill you, right? So, he said, don't eat that stuff. And because they had these cleanliness codes, the nation of Israel, Abraham's descendants, began to multiply exponentially, much faster than the rest of the world did. Because God had promised back in Genesis that not only would through your descendants would I bring forth salvation, but I will multiply them in a way that they'll be more numerous than the stars in the sky. And one of the ways that God did that was by saying, don't eat pork. Because they didn't know that if you don't cook it enough, you're going to get sick. We know that today. You see the point? Understanding the why. Asking the questions enough to ask the whys will help you to understand the purpose. It's all important. But understanding the purpose is a big deal. And if you're thinking, well, that's way too much for me to... How am I supposed to know that? I didn't get a master's degree in the Bible. That's one of the reasons why you should come to church. (laughs) So if we were to sum all this up, basically what I'm trying to say to you today is this. We believe that all, all Scripture... comes from God. That the entire Bible is what it is because it's supposed to be. And we, by faith, we believe that, right? And by faith, we are to approach the Bible asking those why questions. Asking context and history and language questions so that we might understand it better and then apply it to our lives. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, um, that's where it gets really dangerous. Because human beings are amazing in our ability to um, spin things to say what we want them to say. Have you ever noticed that? We human beings are great at taking facts and Focusing on certain facts more than other facts in order to uh, get, it, get facts to say what we want the facts to say, aren't we? 
So, when you approach the Bible, you better darn well do it with humility and ask yourself the question, what am I really doing here? Am I trying to justify what I already believe or do I really want to know the truth? Because if you're trying to justify what you already believe, there's a good chance that there'll be somebody out, some smart person out there that will say, well, let me just show it to you this way and it'll make sense. Let me give you an example of what I mean. I couldn't go through the whole sermon without telling a story, right? One day I was at, um, at my house. I was doing some yard work. And a um, guy stopped by. Uh, I didn't know him. He was not a member of the church I was serving at the time. But he knew I was a pastor. So um, he comes to the door. I, or I, I was out in the yard. And he comes and um, tells me who he is. And he says, I'm, I'm struggling with some things. And I really need to know, I want to know what the church has to say about this. So we sat down on my front porch and we began to talk. And what I discerned from the very beginning was that this guy was intelligent and articulate. And he had already considered most of what the Bible had said about the issue that he was struggling with. And then it hit me. I stopped the conversation for a second and... I um, observed, I told him what I had observed about him. Most people like being told that they're smart and articulate, right? I said, but here's my question. What do you hope to get from all this study and research? And then I explained it the same way I did to you just a moment ago. I said, what do you, are you hoping to um, justify what you already believe or do you want to know the truth? Because there's a whole lot of very smart people who have studied these same passages of scriptures and you can find somebody, somebody very smart, who will support every different one of these opinions. And he goes, I know, that's what's so confusing. I said, that's why you have to start by wanting the truth. Rather than just wanting to justify what you already believe, you have to approach the Scripture and ask God, I, want, I really want to know the truth. Because this is how beautiful our living God is. When you start from that place, from a place of faith, and from a place of wanting to know the truth, rather than just justify a preconceived notion, God will show you the truth. Now be careful because if you really don't want to know the truth, don't ask the question. Because once you've asked the question and you really want to know the truth, he's not going to let you go. And you won't be able to just sit back in your own ignorance and say, well, I believe this because so-and-so said that. If you ask God to reveal to you what the truth is, God will reveal to you the truth. You do need to do the study. You need to consider context and history and language and all those other things. You need to read the footnotes in your Bible. You need to do all that stuff. But all along, you need to ask the question, Lord, show me the truth. I want to know the truth. I don't want to just hear spin. I want the truth. And the truth can be quite unnerving, if you haven't noticed. So what do you want? Remember earlier when I said that today you would be 
presented with some choices that will change your life forever. Because you see, here's the deal. No matter what you choose today, whether you choose to um, stay ignorant, you, you know now that you've made the choice to stay ignorant. If you choose to accentuate certain facts over other facts to justify what you already believe, you will know now that that's what you're doing. And if you choose to know the truth and ask God for the truth, He will show you, and you'll have to live with it. And you'll have to make a decision on what you're going to do with it. You see how powerful that is? You cannot leave here today the same way you came in. Because you're not ignorant anymore. And ignorant doesn't mean stupid, by the way. It just means uninformed. You've been informed. So what do we believe at Prairie Bible Church? We believe that all Scripture is the inspired, infallible Word of God. We believe by faith that all Scripture is the inspired, infallible Word of God. And we believe that we have been called to use our brains as we approach it by considering context and history and language. For it's through the Word of God that God will equip us to be the church in the world today. That's what we believe. Now you get to decide what you believe. That's up to you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, um, there are times when I, when I share information that it seems, even as it's coming out of my mouth, it seems simple. But I know that it doesn't, that doesn't mean it's easy. The decisions that we will make today, the faith decisions that we make today about what we believe, with regards to your word changes everything potentially no it just does there's no potential about it it does and it is my prayer today that that each of us here today would find the courage within us to not only believe by faith that the entire bible is your infallible word but also to believe by faith or to ask in faith that you would show us the truth in the midst of the study and the understanding and the application. For it's only when, when we consider the truth of God and apply it to our lives that we will have the power to make a difference in the world, that, that we as the church can make the impact in the world that you want us to make. And that's my prayer today, that we would have the courage and the humility to submit to you and want what you want, believing that you're smarter than us believing that everything that you want for us and for the world is love. Show us the way, Lord. In the name of Jesus, our Savior and Lord, show us the way.